0: Imagine what it would be like if we were really curious about each other.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Relational Spirituality, the weekly podcast of LargerStory.com, the podcast that sees all relationships as spiritual and all spiritual formation as relational. Now here's your host for this week, Kep Crabb.
0: Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining us today on Relational Spirituality, the podcast brought to you by Larger Story. I am joined today by a, a familiar voice. As you hear the intro to this podcast, you might recognize the voice, but now you get to see the face as well. Good friend of mine and a colleague, Mr. Duncan Sprague. Dunk, thanks for joining me today, man.
1: Hey, Cap, it's great to be with you again. I love being with you and chatting through whatever important topic we're going to talk about.
0: We've been talking about prayer, and we've really been focusing on the Papa prayer. And kind of looking at the pop of prayer and in respect to how that uh, impacts our prayer lives and what is our prayer life about. But today we're going to go a little bit off of that, but I think it still stays within the context of prayer, but it's really, how do we resolve kind of some of the tensions or some of the conflicts that we run into? And those might be with friends, those might be with colleagues, those might be with spouses. And where do we start on some of that? I think that's something that I think a lot of people are interested in and no one is immune from. We've all had tensions. We've all had struggles. And so we were just chatting through this. We're doing this last minute. Also, I apologize. I've got a head cold now. So if I start coughing or something, please bear with me. I've got some water over here, but um, I guess it is that cold and flu season coming up, but just a little head cold going on. But Dunk, I wanted to start off by saying you've been married now, how many years?
1: 33 years, coming up on 34.
0: And you and and I know your wife, I know both you guys, we've been in a couple of different small groups together currently in one. Yeah. Um, you guys have never been in in a had an argument or a disagreement or anything like that.
1: No, it, it's. I love your dad's famous line of we when we get in conflict, she repents and then we're okay.
0: Oh, right. Yeah,
1: I'll put my lightning rod up right now. I was going to
0: say, good thing she's not sitting next to you or something. But uh, yeah, that was that was always dad's joke. Yes. Uh, but he was talking about mom and some of that conflict. Yes. <laughs> and everybody
1: out there knows that it's a joke. And if you don't, please don't write letters. It is a joke.
0: <laughs> yeah. No question. And I know Duncan's wife well. She's one of the sweetest ladies on the mm-hmm. planet. Yeah, But you guys, when you go through some of those kind of things, we've talked about this whole conflict issue. And no one's immune from it. We all are going to be uh, mm. subjected to it at some time. And some of us in some depth of ways that, Kind of scare me with yeah. brothers who won't speak to each other anymore or right. people who used to be very close friends are now can't hardly be in the same room. What yeah. do you do about that kind of stuff?
1: I think one of the first things that I do is I it does drive me to prayer. I and I always have to ask, God, what of this is mine? Search my heart, oh God, know my ways, see if there's any wicked way in me. Because there's plenty of it there that gets in the way of relationships. And I think that's the premise I always begin with conflict is neither right nor wrong. It's inevitable. It's coming whether you want it or not. And it's, it actually is the sign of a healthy relationship where two people come together and engage with one another. I, I know I've done lots of premarital counseling and I stole a line from your dad. I don't know where he stole it from, but it, the the common line is getting married is like a tick on a dog relationship. Right. The problem is that there's two ticks and no dog. And that's the reality. When you come into a marriage, when you come into a relationship, you have two people that are desperately needy. What's Pascal's famous line, inside every person is a God-shaped vacuum trying to suck life, a God-shaped vacuum that only God can fill. And yet, we try to fill it with every person we come across, especially our spouses. And that's why conflicts inevitably show up is because I'm asking something of my wife that she was never intended to give. Mm -hmm. And it's at that point when the collision happens, the marital bliss turns into a marital battle, it's at that point that you start to ask, so how do you work through conflict? And I think the important word is through.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, and I think the thing is you start to talk about marital issues. I think of myself with Kimmy, we've been married now going on 30 years. We'll be celebrating 30 years in a couple of months. So so we've got some some experience under our belt a little bit. And and we've had our fair share of conflict for sure. Yeah, But it's interesting how when you first get married, you're standing up there and it really is that tick on a dog kind of a mentality. You're excited. What are you going to do for me? You make me feel in a certain way. And then as you go through it, I guess the, the next thing that happens is you get very disillusioned discouraged you, you just feel this is not what I signed up for and then as you continue to move through that because the one thing Kimmy and I know with you and Angie as well we just said there's no back door here we're mm-hmm. not ever going to shut this deal down there's yeah. nothing that can do that and so no matter what we're th- what we go through we're in it till the end yeah and which was really interesting because she comes from as a little bit of my wife's background her mother's been married a handful of times and, and currently single. And there's a lot of that. So when she met my family, she thought, wow, this is interesting. You've got a mom and a dad who still love each other. And it's just yeah. a fairy tale thing. And yeah. I didn't know anything different. But after 30 years, I think we look at each other now and say, we've been through some deep waters, Yeah. but we're really experiencing that that oneness that I think scripture talks about in a way that's new Yeah. Um, in the last few years, even since her yeah. diagnosis. And and so that's just an interesting thing as we've moved through those conflicts and we'll talk about how to do yeah. some of that, maybe some thoughts on it, but you really come out of that with a better understanding of what that friendship or what that relationship, what that marriage, whatever yeah. that may be of the depth of that and how you really do start to care for someone more than yourself. That's right. And that's what I've seen. But as you're going through it, the conflict can be hell mm-hmm. and can be very painful. Yeah. Talk about some of that, Dunk. I would
1: love to see the hellish elements of it are the ones that you you realize it really isn't hell, because but it echoes it a lot, because what is hell? It's isolation away from the presence of God. And it, with God's presence not there, then that means it's isolation from any presence. Mm-hmm. It means that you are utterly alone. And so that is where... I think every marriage goes through that, where you say, I feel abandoned, I feel alone, I feel like they're not hearing, they're not understanding. And that's the—I think that's the part that Satan really wants to get you lost in those scripts, where it will just replay in the theater of your mind all the vengeful things. And what does love do? Well, it doesn't keep track of wrongs done. It doesn't mean it doesn't remember him, but it doesn't hold it up as part of the scorecard. And I think that's the part that I I go in those hellish moments. It's easy to grab the old violations and go, see, doing it again. Instead, God says, no, put that card away and see how much I've forgiven you. Hmm. Uh, I think that's the part that always gives me, we can love because He first loved us. We can forgive because of how much He's forgiven us. I think the difficulty, and I've seen this in multiple marriages that have ended, it's when the person says, I will not look inside any longer. Yeah. I will not self-evaluate. I will not I am not to blame. It's the other person. <laughs> and that's when our prayers even change at that point. Here's the one piece, and I love this part about the apostle Peter. He's the only apostle that we're certain was married because we know that Jesus in Matthew, it tells the story and actually in Mark, actually it's recorded, I think, in the the synaptic gospels, the three that are the same, but, or the, that are similar, we find out that Jesus has healed the mother-in-law of Peter. So, we know, okay, if there's a mother-in-law, there must be a, a wife. And so, Peter then, in his later writings, gives us this anecdotal advice for living with a spouse. So, I know he's speaking from experience, And this is what he says in, he has a whole section in 1 Peter 3 on husbands and wives, but the verse that we really want to camp on, because it gives us great advice of what it means to live with our wives. So it says, likewise, husbands, so this is to you and me, live with your wives in an understanding way. Now, we don't know fully what he means by an understanding way. We have some ideas, but then we always get lost in this next phrase. Showing and showing honor to her, to the woman, as the weaker vessel, we get lost and we go. Okay, what? Well, especially in today's climate, where women, are, I'm not weak, but we lose the whole context here, and we get lost in that phrase. And it's like a speed bump now in the text, and we don't go on to see why. Since they are heirs with with you of the grace of life, so it's just that's what it means to honor. They're equal heirs with you in the promise of God, so that—and this is still talking to the husband—so that your prayers may not be hindered. And I sit there and go, we miss the fact of why Peter's saying this. He says, I don't want your prayers to be hindered. So in a month, we're in a quarter that we're talking about prayer, here's advice to husbands. You want to keep a good prayer life? Live with your wife in an understanding way. So, here, I just want to unpack what that means i I think the physical side is where most scholars land. They say, okay, he they're weaker in a physical sense in the in that not in labor pains and those kind of things, but just in strength of bodies, bone structure, and all that kind of the mm-hmm. kind of biological makeups. But I think that it's even more the fact that he calls us vessels and calls her the weaker vessel we're called vessels elsewhere, second Corinthians says that we're all vessels. God has put His riches in vessels of clay, in earthen vessels. So, it's not that either one of us are stronger, strong vessels. Neither one of us are. There's weak and weaker. <laughs> but why would God make weak vessels? If you talk to any archaeologists, they would say, when you go, if you find a pristine vase from antiquity— you found a really rare thing, because what you mostly find is shards, shards of broken pieces, because every clay pot is intended to hold something, but at some point it breaks. It cracks, and our tendency is, let's patch it up, but God says, no, I put the riches in you so that as you are broken, my riches will pour out. And so, I think that part of what Peter's after is saying, they're a weaker vessel. So, when my wife prays, there is rarely a time that she doesn't end up in tears because her prayers are so close to the feeling of what's going on. We just said goodbye to our son, launched him officially to his first full-time missionary job, and uh, she was leaking everywhere. Yeah. Uh, and she set an example for me. Where I refuse to be broken, she is willing to be broken. So live with my wife in an understanding way that when she is broken and the riches pour out, honor her. She's setting an example for me so that my prayers are not hindered. And this is where I go. That I, I think you the best example is you can look at Genesis, look at how Adam's conversation changed with God before the fall and after the fall. Before the fall, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Whoa, man, this is woman. You can see that. And then, after the fall, he no longer lives in an understanding way of her. He lives mostly in an understanding way of himself. It's the woman you gave me, Lord. His conversation changed.
0: Claims it on her,
1: yeah. Prayer became a point for blame, accusation. Don't let me take any consequences. So I think Peter, as the only married apostle, gives us great advice to live in a world that will break us, and then to let the riches pour out.
0: Wow. Yeah, I I didn't know we were going to go this direction at some level, yeah. Don. That's interesting, Um, as you start to say some of this, because um, even in respect to prayer, this has been my big thought for the last several weeks and, and months, really, is, the only thing that we're aware of that the Lord was asked by the disciples is teach us how to pray. That's I'm right. sure they asked him other things too, but yeah. the only thing that we've been been told in scripture. And so there's something really important about that. And when you're talking about understanding your spouse with that, with that, without having your prayers being hindered, yeah. that just brings chills to my neck. What does it mean to have your prayers hindered? Right. where they aren't doing what you're asking of them and praying in that way that allows you to have that connection with the Lord in, in a relational connection. Yeah. That's the whole notion of the Papa prayer. Yeah, How, how do we meet God? And it's so easy to come to God and say, I want this and I want this and I want this. And the whole notion of prayer, from what I understand, is really a legal term. It's to petition. That's right. But what we're redefining it as a, an opportunity to know, yeah. to get to know the God of the universe. Um, And how does that then impact how we, when you're in a conflict, you're having a fight with someone, whether it be Angie or someone else, how does that then impact that moment?
1: One of the things that I think is I have to know what is my default mechanism when I get in conflict. We oftentimes talk in terms of that when conflict happens, uh, we have one of two responses, fight or flight. But I actually think that there's more we don't just flee conflict we flee it we we fight it yeah sometimes we do both those both of those are when we are stuck in a in a battle so i think that five gives us or four when jesus talks about or when paul talks about he's given some to be apostles some to be prophets some to be these things so that we might grow up in our faith so that we might mature and then he says by speaking the truth in love. That's what maturity looks like, is truth, not pretending, and love, not pulling back. Those two things are always at play in any conflict. So, in a conflict, I'm always saying, is this true? I'm going to fight you over the truth of the matter, or is there a value of relationship that's in jeopardy? You, You said at the very beginning, friends and brothers and siblings that no longer talk to each other relationships that have gotten lost. And at some point they've said the truth isn't worth fighting for and the relationship isn't worth fighting for. So I flee. (laughs) I run from it.
0: Well, it uses other things too. And I know we've talked about that, but I always wondered this yeah. and I wondered this in the past. And I talked to a friend of mine just the other day who has a friend who just got divorced after 50 years of marriage. And -hmm. I just never understood that. Yeah. And of course, and I don't know the details, but I, I'm guessing that that marriage has long been dissolved or dead yeah. or yeah. whatever we want to call it for years. They just finally decided to call it a day. But but I've never understood how someone would put so much time into a relationship like that just to say, I'm done with it now. Yeah. And that's where I think the whole notion of the way you're talking about when you feel the spirit leading through you, and I've seen this the last little bit when Kimmy and I've had some conflicts and some tensions, is what does it mean to really put her first? And it's been interesting because- sure. The fights are different mm-hmm. and we've had some in the past that ones that I'm just not proud of in yeah. any way, shape or form. And just to be honest with you folks who were watching us today too, I had initially talked with a couple of different people and said, if we talk about this subject, should we bring, I, I talked to Kimmy, would you like to join me? And of course she's not into doing podcasts or anything like that, but she also said, do you really want to know how you and I fought back in the day and let all those people know? And I thought, huh, wait, maybe not. Maybe that's a good point. I handle it very poorly. And very immaturely, but I'm seeing us fight now in a different way now yeah. that allows us to get to the other side in some ways that are, because I really do uh, want her to know that I care about her more. That's right. And that's so important to me.
1: But you're battling for something different. Uh, I, this is the thing that I'm realizing, even as you were just talking, I go, before I am a husband to my bride, I am a disciple of Jesus. Yes. And so, what does Jesus says it himself? If you're going to be my disciple, if you're going to follow me, the first thing is deny yourself. Yeah, that's the beginning. We oftentimes put that up as the pinnacle of real maturity. No, the the mature disciples they are the ones who deny themselves. And Jesus says, "No, you can't." That's the doorway into being my disciple. Yes, you you begin by saying, "I am not the point." Deny yourself pick up a cross what for i have a friend who used to preach this he used to say um marriage is god's clever way to get us all crucified
0: isn't that true i saw a comedian the other night that that kimmy and i were watching and he's the the christian comedian he said god says to the angels hey come on over here watch what i do i'm going to put this guy together with this gal oh this is going to be incredible you know let's just see what happens you know yeah but You said something the other day that really stuck with me. This was a, oh, I don't know, maybe a month or so ago, but we were talking about some things. And you said you were in the middle of doing some counseling with some people. Didn't name any names, but you talked to dad and said, Larry, yeah. how can I break through? How can I, how can I help these people? How can I help save this marriage? Yeah. And then dad said to you and, and help me if I'm wrong here, but the marriage is already dead. Yeah. And this yeah. marriage is dead. And 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 that kind of caught you off balance. And then he went from yeah. there a little bit more, unpack that a little bit.
1: This actually goes back almost 30 years when I was actually studying under Larry, I was interning and I was counseling the wife. He was actually, I found out he was counseling the husband. And so this was my first consult with Larry. And I'm thinking we're going in to save this marriage and we're gonna work together as a team. And you can hear my assumption is, the goal in counseling them is to fix this marriage. Right. And I said, so what do we do to help fix this marriage? That was the energy is, we're going to fix it. And his response was, he says, 'Oh, oh, this marriage has been gone for a long time. There is no resurrecting this one. And I remember going, so what are we doing? <laughs> what, what's the purpose of counseling? And he said something really poignant, and it stuck with me ever since. He said, he says, do you think that God put these two people on this earth to be married to each other? Is that his number one calling on their life?
0: The highest calling of their life. Yeah.
1: And I said, it's up there, isn't it? He says, not even a close second. He says, the number one goal for their lives is to glorify God and make him known. And I go, yeah. He says, he says now your goal in counseling them is to help them become the most glorious divorced person possible. Because that's where they're heading. They now they their identity isn't being divorced. Their identity is still a child of God, and all of a sudden, my categories got blown out of the water, and I, it just put that as the first priority: is whatever circumstance you're in, you are whether married or divorced. Your primary calling in life is to glorify God by putting Him on this display in the ways that you relate, think, live. So that's the piece that now has been, we've got some dear friends that we know well that are in the middle of that same process right now. And that was the first thing I said to them. I said, I'm not going to choose sides with you guys, but I am going to come alongside and say, how do you glorify God and not continue to destroy each other in this process and not destroy the children that are part of this marriage? And that's the rippling effects. is it's not just one marriage. That is destroyed. It's a whole community of connections.
0: And that's how we're all linked. Like you said one time earlier, the whole notion of isolation is really where Satan wants to do his most um, impressive work. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) It is by ourselves. We're actually going to be doing a conference at the end of January in Tennessee. And we've titled it, Not Myself by Myself. We're meant to be in community. That's right. We're meant to live in community and mm-hmm. And that's where Satan doesn't quite get quite the toehold that he wants to get as he's coming at as he's coming at us, so I guess as we're thinking about conflict and even in the midst of prayer, how does prayer in the midst of community, as you're going through conflict allow you to get outside of yourself yeah as is, is what i've seen i've used to i used to think i and this was always in retrospect up to recently really is in the middle of a fight, can I quit saying what I'm saying? And get out of myself and say, Kep, you're being really dumb here, and you're not thinking very well at all, and you're letting your emotions take care, take control, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I always come to that conclusion, oh, a few hours after the fight's over, thinking, yeah. well, I sure wish I would have handled it this way or this way. And now in the midst of that moment, I'm starting to think that way a little bit more. Yeah. And I think Kimmy's responding to that Yeah, in ways that are, even other people, if I have tension with them and conflict, that I think feels feels better. Yeah. And I would guess
1: that if we were a fly on the wall watching you in the new ways that you're thinking in the middle of a conflict, my guess is if we get in there and listen to what's going on in your head, there's another conversation going on besides just the one with your wife. There's a horizontal conversation that's going, Father, if I keep in my ways, I'm going to keep messing things up. Big time. What's really true right now? What should I camp on? Because I want to bury, and this is my way of relating with my wife. We've identified our normal ways of relating when we are our typical conflict strategies. When we get it in the middle of a fight, I bury her with words. Hmm. I, I just start reasoning. I get real rational, and I I concentrate on the truth. I But here's what I do. I debase truth because I make the truth something other than a person. What did Jesus say? I, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So the truth ultimately is not propositional, it's personal. But I get in this fight with her that avoids love and wants to only fight about what's mostly true and uh, my truth. Yes. So she will tend to flee things. I will tend to fight them. If she stops fleeing, her tendency then is to go to the opposite pendulum— so, I'll honor the truth, and I want, to be, I want to value honesty, and she'll value relationship. So, Larry used to always talk in terms of, we oftentimes say that I'm a rationalist, I'm a, a reasonable person, or another person will say, I'm a romantic, I'm a feeler through life. But the reality is we must be both. We don't get to say I'm one or the other, it's science or faith. It, it really is, you have to live in both worlds. So it's truth and love. And that's where when she lives only in that love side of things and denies truth, I'm not going to think about it. It's too complicated. She'll end up faking love in order to control love, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. She'll Mm -hmm. ignore the truth and really debase love. She'll make it something cheaper than it is. It means I'll just give in. And it's the proverbial doormat who says, I'll just let you walk all over me. But those are the extremes. So my extreme is I'll fight it, she'll fake it. But then at some point we start to come together and we say, okay, I'm going to stop fighting. And so this is some of what may go on in your mind. I'm going to stop fighting God. And if it will help, if I force it a little bit, I'll force a little bit of relationship. I'll I'll feel, I'll try to use some sympathetic and empathetic words. I'll force it, Mm -hmm. but she feels it every time. She goes, that's not authentic. But what she'll do is she'll say, if this will fix it, if this will fix the relationship, that energy of fixing. And so this is where I go, the flesh has its operating instructions during conflict. We'll flee it, fight it, fake it, force it, or fix it. That's our way of dealing with it in the flesh. But what God says is, no, honor 100% of the truth honor 100% of the relationship and face it. And I love what your dad used to say. Your dad used to say, I refuse to pretend about anything. I, I don't want to get lost in honesty and start pretending. And I love what Paul says in Hebrews, or the writer of Hebrews says, he says, we are not those who shrink back. Yes. So in love, we don't shrink back, we stay present. And in truth, we continue to refuse to pretend, no, we're, this is going to be ugly, the truth that has to come out. But it's my ugly truth. It's not just her ugly truth. And here's the big thing is, the only thing that's going to bring us together, <laughs> when conflict happens, the only way to, connect in, to connecting is confession. Yeah. Me confessing my sin, not hers, that's the blame game. When I start confessing her for her, uh, one of the folks in our small group says, confession is just telling on myself. That's, I think, in conflict, if you don't begin with self-denial and telling on yourself, confession you'll never move on to connection.
0: Yeah, I I love that because those are some real practical things to think about in the midst of conflict, which is the most challenging time to get practical. It's easy to do it before the conflict happens. Maybe you can apply some that or after saying, I wish I would have applied some of that. But one of the things that I hear you saying, too, and that really has been helpful to me. Is how do you allow the spirit to lead you in those moments when you're having Mm -hmm. this conversation, not so much this, while at the same time having this conversation? That's right. And so, what I've really tried to focus on in the midst of those moments is this conversation, yes, and that's the one going on in here, which only I'm privy to and him, (laughs) no one else is privy to that. That's right. And it also allows me to keep this closed because man, this thing gets me in trouble so much, and I've had too sharp of a tongue in too many ways with too many people that cuts it's it cuts very deeply and those are things that i've had to apologize for yeah
1: and i'm uh, guessing it's not until you've seen the effect that your anger uh, i think that's where my wife has been the best mirror for me Uh, i remember one time we have a we have four children and our our second one was always the one that was testing things he was pushing the button all the time and And I remember one time he had just set me off and I was going after him. And this is a picture of biblical submission. My wife steps in front of me as I was going after him. And she says, there are better parts of you than you are about to give him right now. Oh, beautiful. And I just remember sitting there going, wait, she is not fighting for herself. Mm -mm. She's fighting for our son so that I don't pants on him and she's fighting for me. She's yeah. submitting to God's vision for who I can be yes. so that I will give him the best parts of me rather than I'm going to give you a piece of my mind. Right. When that same son was young, he was going after our youngest son. So Josh and Ben, Josh was going after Ben. He's two years older, and you know both of my boys, I both of these guys. Josh was going after him. And I said, if you touch your son, your brother one more time, uh, spanking's coming. And he said— he, he didn't say anything. He looked at me and he started lowering his hand towards his brother. <laughs> and I'm going, don't you touch him. He just kept lowering it and lowering it. And finally, he put it down and he gives me this little snide look. And I just lost. I said, that's it. A spankin's coming. Get up to the bedroom right now. I don't know why we sent him to send them to the bedroom. Other than it gave me a moment to cool down. As we're walking up, the waterworks begin. He starts crying and stuff. And as I'm walking up, here's my prayer. Dear Lord, if I spank him with all that's inside of me, the anger that's going on, Lord, I'm, I'll, I'll kill him. Hmm. Lord, help me not to kill my son.
0: Oh, <laughs> so when we
1: get up to the bedroom, I'm pacing back and forth, trying to figure out how I'm going to handle this. And so this is where you were just asking, how does the Spirit, how do you invite the Spirit in? I think the Spirit will step in um, and just give opportunities for me not to get lost in myself. And as I'm sitting there, I'm trying some of the old tried and true thing. I I tried the old line that every parent at one time at least tries. hurts me more than it hurts you. Exactly, son. This is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. And we all know it's a lie. I know that when I spank him, his bottom is going to hurt more than my hand. But it was as if the spirit at that moment said, it should hurt you more. Mm. And it just stopped me in my tracks. And then I wasn't an audible voice but the phrase that came into my mind was, take the spanking for him. And I, <laughs> internally, I'm internally, i having this internal conversation. What do you mean, take the spanking for yourself? Take the spanking. Lean over. So I said, okay, son, if I spank you for, with everything I've got, I'm going to hurt you. I don't want to hurt you. So I'm taking the spanking. I lean over the bed, and he says, what are you doing? Oh, totally confused. confused. He doesn't get it. And this is where real conflict management will not look as much like management as it will look like surrender. I, I'm, I'm surrendering to something more powerful. I, yeah. It's what your dad used to say to you. Kep, you can hurt me, but you cannot destroy me. Right. And that's essentially what I was saying to, to my son is, if I spank you, I'll hurt you. If you spank me, oh, it, it might hurt a little, but not much. So he, he gets back and he swats me on the bum. And I said, oh, no, no, I'm more angry than that. then yeah. he backs up and he tries again. I said, Josh, if you don't understand how angry I am, you have to put everything you in. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> he, just, <laughs> he comes with all of his might, pow. And he says, ow, it hurt my hand. And I said, it's enough. I, you're forgiven, Josh. Wow. You, uh, I will never. We will never remember this again, except for when I tell it in a message
0: or on a podcast. Well, but I'd love to chat with Josh about that because I bet that was yeah. a, an impacting moment in his life, an impactful moment. It life. is. he well, he, he, he calls it moments. his story.
1: That's right. He calls it his story. His story. And that's yes. exactly what it becomes. Yeah. It's my story of forgiveness. My story. When grace was given to me, because when he went downstairs, he says to Angie, leans in and whispers, I just gave daddy a spanking. Yeah. (laughs) And and my (laughs) wife says, why? And his response then was, I don't know. I don't know. That's the piece where we always end with the grace of God. I don't know why he loves us so. I I don't know why he died for me, but he did. He took the spanking for me. Yes, That's when conflict... Isn't managed any longer. That's when conflict is surrendered to grace.
0: Yeah. What a great story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that leads into the next thing that we'll chat about sometime is parenting. We both have you've got four kids, I've got two kids, they're adults now. My my oldest is fixing to have her first child here in a couple months. So we're excited about that. But um the whole notion of parenting, because that story reminds me of so much of the way that dad thought. Yeah. about how to raise kids because he wanted to get you to go, huh? Yeah. What Josh said, I don't know why I did that. That's right. But boy, it felt good and I feel good. That's right. It's, it did something to me that even now, 20 years later in this kid's life, it's, it's his story. That's right. Dunk, this has been great chatting with you, bro. It's so fun to unpack this kind of stuff. And we all have a story. and And each of those stories, each of our stories can be part of God's larger story. And that's what we want to be. And how do we live a life that fits into God's larger story in the way that he wants us to? So, Duncan, I really appreciate uh, you you meeting this time. Folks, thanks for joining us on Relational Spirituality today. And join us every Tuesday as we uh, roll out some different thoughts and different things. And we're going to be changing things around come the beginning of the year. But we sure do appreciate you guys joining us. If you like what you've seen, please subscribe and have a great evening.
1: If you like what you heard today, hit the like button just below. Then come back by subscribing to our podcast channel. For more resources on relational spirituality, go to our website at largerstory.com.